Redeemer family, welcome to another formation moment. He is risen. You're he's supposed risen to say indeed. he's risen indeed there, sir. It's all right. But it is, it, it is the Easter season. And I think one of the fun things about doing the formation moment has been now tracking through multiple seasons of the church calendar and getting to talk mm-hmm. about formation from the different perspectives. So in Lent, we were talking a lot about fasting and Easter. My hope is that we'll talk a lot about feasting. And um, Leon kicked us off, Pastor Matt kicked us off today with the first sermon, The Case of the Empty Tomb. And so if you didn't see that or hear that, then go listen or watch that, then come back for the context of this conversation. But jumping right in, there were four things you talked about um, that if we investigate the empty tomb would let us know. The first being that Jesus is risen. Um, I love this point. And one of the things I love about it is I think there's a great opportunity here to talk about connecting our belief to our action. So oftentimes we don't necessarily want to talk about the gospel primarily as behavior modification. But I think with the resurrection, there is something about our behavior. This should change. Right. And so I would love for you to just talk for a minute about how how do we connect the way we're behaving as resurrected people and what we believe about the resurrection like what should that do to just the way we are present with people in the world yeah man i was thinking the other day about this actually and one of the i think one of the critically unique claims of christianity is that we teach that there is this this indelible change this this indelible work that the spirit enters and does in us that mm-hmm. actually changes us from the inside out, right? So, so, so the, to the point that it can't be mere um, behavior modification because mm-hmm. it's actually a person at work and us changing and doing it. And so the reality is the resurrect, the resurrection life of Christ that is within us as Christians is the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit in us, bringing life to us and bringing life out of us, right? And yeah. so, um, so I guess, you know, how that works out practically is, you know, Paul tells people there is an active part to that where you're walking in step with the spirit. Mm-hmm. If the spirit's leading, then you're trusting and following. And I think that's probably the best way for us to respond to the resurrected Christ and the resurrected resurrection life in us. Yeah, that's so good. Yeah. And I think one of the things that you noted in the sermon, which which I would note as well, is that we have a different kind of peace. Right. We walk with that peace and not with that fear. And I think about that in light of, you know, the first people who experienced the resurrection all the way to now. We've always been a people in great hardship, in great turmoil. Right. And yet and still um, living out of the belief that nothing's impossible because the resurrection. And so the peace is a little bit different. But you talked about what it looks like um, to seek Jesus with sincerity. And I thought that was I I felt particularly like that was a challenging word for the church today, right? Mm-hmm. To to actually be be sincere about our seeking of Jesus, not just our um even what you noted in the sermon like not just our coming to church cuz Easter, right? Mm-hmm. But what does it look like to sincerely seek Jesus? Yeah, that's the question. What's it look like to sincerely seek Jesus? I think it, it to sincerely seek Christ, you're seeking him I feel like I've said this word several times in the formation moments, but without an agenda, without an ulterior mm-hmm. motive, right? You're seeking Christ because of who he is and what you've learned of him and his promises in the scripture. 
Yeah. And I think um, where we lack sincerity often is when we come to Jesus and we say, we, we're looking for you, Jesus, but the reality is we're attaching it to think other things, period, but um, primarily things that he hasn't promised that's not in his word. Like I said, like money or like, mm-hmm. you know, homes or relationships. And, and I think that's where we start to lack sincerity, where it's not really about him and what he has promised, but so many other things you know kind of cloaked in this but it's all about jesus right so that's where the resurrection work in us starts to move beyond the self-centeredness right yeah it starts Mm -hmm. to become more christ-centered or other-centered or it's something almost that's like uh counterintuitive to our will right that's like that's a good indicator like so yeah for those listening or watching think about those times or spaces where it's like i wouldn't have really asked for that (laughs) You know, that's right. you're kind of on to something then, because it's like, oh, I I don't even want to do that, but right. something working in me is calling me into that. So that's that's good. Um, the there's this big theme in the sermon of investigation, which I really enjoyed. Um, I like to have a clear picture in my mind of like what does this look like, um, and even I thought wow, that's broadly applicable to all of scripture. Mm. So what might it look like for us as believers, followers of Jesus to approach the Bible in a more investigative way? What, 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 yeah. what could that look like to, um, what are some practices or ways you'd, you'd say, Hey, consider trying this as you read the scripture to be more curious about what Christ is doing in the, in the story. Yes. Yeah. I think you touched on it really well last Sunday thinking about the story, right? Um, especially the narrative portion of scripture, the gospels, acts, a lot of the old Testament, think about it as a story, right? Consider what the actors in the story are thinking, what they're feeling, what they're Mm. smelling, right? Those types of things. And then as you place yourself in their shoes, now you think, okay, so whatever's happening, considering where they are, who they are, what they're dealing with, what are they thinking? What Mm. does this mean to them? What does this mean for them? What does this mean for the people? And then to bridge the gap and say, okay, well, what does this mean to me? So I guess to put it simply, to place yourself in a story to where you start to question everything that's happening as if you were there, essentially that way. So I think that's probably the best way we can do some investigative or even inductive Bible study. You know, treat the scripture as, as it is, real historical truth, you know? Yeah, and I think what one thing I I would add to that is I want people to hear and you can I guess you could disagree, but yeah. I really want people to feel like it's okay to to be caught up in things or to ask yeah. questions about things or to even start there. Like with when something is odd, right? When you're mm-hmm. like, "Well, that doesn't make that like start there and investigate that." Because I think for um, you know, for this story, right? Like it's odd that this body would not be there, right? right. Like that, that's a place to start and like, what's going on here? Um, and, and there's tons of stories in the scriptures where like, why is the snake talking? You know, like why, uh, why would they be doing that or asking that question and starting there, I think is a great way for us to investigate just where we're, where we're, where we're caught up. Yeah. Let me just say one thing about that. You know, for years, you know, I've been reading the Bible. And since I first started reading it back when I was 13, I would read things and have no idea what it means and just think, whatever I'm thinking it means, I know it doesn't mean. But for a long time, whatever I'm hearing that it means, I didn't believe it meant. 
And so I just kind of live with this idea. Well, the Bible says it. So I know the Bible is true and whatever it means, but I'm on this journey of figuring it out. And then several years later, I learned, oh, this is what it means, right? Mm -hmm. And then context and other parts help to piece it together. So I agree with you 100%, man. I do think, I think it's necessary to ask questions of the scripture. That's the only way you'll learn, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I I was listening to a podcast once, and they were talking about this um, this Jewish tradition of really uh, talking about the scriptures, and when they would get stuck somewhere, um, everybody would just start dancing, right? Like they would just start celebrating because they knew that although they didn't understand what the scripture was saying at that point, that at some point God was going to reveal it to them, that God would make it clear to them at some point. And so there was almost a joy in the confusion, if you will, or a joy in the things that were getting them caught up. And I just think that's a cool perspective to have as Easter people, that we know the resurrection happened. We don't really understand, like that's still still baffling, right? Because it's not possible technically for a person to rise from the dead and yet it happened and so um fine yeah i guess the encouragement there is to be an investigator of those things in scripture which are like that shouldn't be happening bones shouldn't be turning into armies um uh the sea should not part right like um the ram should not just randomly be in the bush when the guy goes to sacrifice stuff. so all these things can like lead us deeper i think if we're open to them um all right last question here you talked about the number four was jesus you know we get jesus when we investigate the empty tomb which is great um and something that i thought about so much during lent is like we can really know this god like not just in our heads but in our hearts, in our bodies, we can experience this Jesus. And I think that's what will lead us into feasting, like feasting on Jesus in this season. But what is, what's a practice or two that you would say to people, here's how you can feast on Jesus in Easter. Um, and I, you talked about, you know, sharing about Jesus in the sermon. That was great. So you could expound there or pick another one. But yeah, what's it mean to get Jesus? Yeah, I feel like it's it's twofold. It's kind of a consumption and then a, a giving out, I don't say mm-hmm. regurgitation, but a taking in as well as giving. And yeah. the taking in, I think, honestly, man, um, I've just been, you know, I have my BCP here. I've just been going through this thing and it's been, it's been, um, it's been such a huge blessing, you know. Um, there's a book where the writer of the book says that the, the Book of Common Prayer is like tongues, mm. right? Giving us languages to pray and engage God that we don't have. And for me personally, that's been extremely helpful. Going to the Book of Prayer, being given the language, um, giving the scripture text to engage Jesus. There's a plan. It's leading us somewhere. And yeah, so I can honestly say you don't have to use the Book of Common Prayer, but just develop rhythms of of, of just consistently engaging jesus in the word and in prayer um nothing nothing's going to trump that you know well everything else will be equal to it i guess but the second thing there's three i have actually the second thing is this for so long i think we've undermined the sacraments mm-hmm. right especially in the evangelical church so we've undermined the practice of things like baptism and communion specific primarily mm-hmm. and um the fact of the matter is man jesus in the scripture he hasn't promised to be with us in many in, in too many ways, but mm-hmm. two ways he's promised to be there is in the waters of baptism and in the elements, yeah. the bread and, and the wine. Yep. And so you want to consume Jesus literally every Sunday we do it. 
when we yeah. take that bread and that wine. And there's some spiritual significance. Like there is a reality, something Jesus is doing and entering us through his body and his blood. You oh, know, yeah. and although we don't necessarily feel it and all of that, by faith, it is true. You know, when we go down the waters of baptism and come up, there is a spiritual something happening there and you know reality and so you know when we when we forego baptism you know i know christians who are who are foregoing baptism i think that's a huge mistake mm -hmm. but when we don't regularly take of, of communion understanding what it means you know yeah and so those do, and the last thing i think is like i said the giving out portion and i said it in the sermon you know now going about the work of christ right you want to meet jesus you want to experience him doing the things that he loves and being who he is then you got to be loving the people that he's loving you yeah. know that because that's, that's where right. he is yeah. You know, he's loving the people that he's loving. He's 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 doing he's he's spreading the truth about himself. He you know, and, and, and that's that's that I feel like those are the ways we will engage him. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. There's a lot here um for us to feast on. I think that's the beautiful thing about Easter is sometimes there's more um than even we can get our, our hands on our plate is full. And so yeah, my get my encouragement for us all as we enter into this Easter season is to know that we have Jesus, because the tomb is empty, he is risen indeed um we've got him, and so let's walk with him let's let's become more like him, and uh, we will find him in his word in the sacraments each Sunday um, and then let's tell people about what we're experiencing in this incredible story so thank you, Pastor Mac. Uh, happy Easter church family, and we will see you next time. peace.